0: All right. So good morning. We're going to be in Luke 11. Really loud. Uh, we're going to be in Luke 11, 1 through uh, 13. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. So, Paul's out of town. I'm continuing the true story out of Luke. And very excited to be uh, speaking to you today on the Lord's Prayer. As I was preparing my message, I was really thinking about our community group and here at the gathering community is a a big part of life like Sunday in some churches is the biggest day of the week but for us the community group is where we really dig deep into what was preached on Sunday so you've got you've got a message that comes on Sunday then you get involved in a community group and you really get to know people you get to see how they interpret scripture you get to understand their thoughts and opinions about scripture well for me this quarter's been like one of the greatest quarters in my time here at the gathering because I've able to be a part of a community group where I was not helping lead it and so it's been really fun because I'm the guy that just comes in and asks all kind of questions that really makes people think and they get really aggravated because sometimes it leads to a 30-minute conversation this way when we're supposed to be going that way but When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the people that I've gotten to know through our community group. So, like, we've got six people that come on a regular basis to our community group. And I began to think about how many of them I knew before we started. So, I knew of all of them, but I didn't know, I knew one of them from years past. And so, it wasn't until that I started in this community group that I really got to know who they were, what they were like, their personalities and stuff. And so, I was thinking about my community group this week a lot, and I began to think about, like, what does each person bring to the table for our community group? And so, for, like, our leaders, Chase and Anya, they're the two that, they bring the leadership. They start the conversation. And this past week, we had, like, very funny, awkward moments of silence, and Chase never noticed them because he was the one talking the whole time. We purposely would stop talking just to see if he would fill the space and he did it was really funny and so we like I've gotten to know these people and it's really interesting because I've learned a lot about their life and about their past and about what's going on right now and I, I begin to think well what do I bring to the table and so what I realize is I bring a lot of advice because I I like most people like to have an opinion and so I'll share it but then I really begin to think well what what beneficial thing do I bring to the table for our church, for our community group, and I realized that apart from my advice, one of the most beneficial things that I do for the, each member in our community group is I pray for them, and I, I, I talk to God and say, God, would you, would you please be with Chase or Anya or Chris or Tabitha or Diana this week in whatever they're going through, but while I was reading the Lord's Prayer, I began to think about like what kind of priorities are in my life and what type of priorities I express in my prayers. Like, you don't realize it, but you express your priorities in your prayers, right? So, some people pray and they'll be like, God, my check had not come this week, I need money, can you, can you provide a way for me to have money? And then they, they go about their business, they go to their job, they work or whatever. Or you got those, those people who are like, God, I need time away from everything. Give me specific time to just get away or whatever. But their priority is focused on like what they're doing. So the first case, like their priority is money. God, give me this. Or God, let me have that. But they're not setting the priorities the way that Scripture tells us to. And so I was, I was reading this passage this week and thinking about how have I prayed for the people in my community group? Have I prayed with the priorities in order and so that's what we're going to look at today in Luke 11, is we're going to look at the priorities in prayer, and we're going to see how they apply to us in our life, how we can pray those priorities, and how we can pray those priorities for other people. So if you will, go ahead and open your Bibles. We're going to read Luke 11:1 1 through 4, to start us off. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. So I don't know about you guys, but like I grew up playing sports and that right there became a poem. Like, it's... Those scriptures are inspired word of God, but when you played sports, it just became another poem because you memorized it. It was something you said before every game. I played basketball from the time I was in elementary school until high school, and every coach would find those people who proclaimed to be Christians or who they thought would know this scripture, and they would be like, hey, Adam, why don't you start the Lord's prayer for us? I don't know how it becomes something we did before games, but... That's what happened, and so we would sit there and say that, and I was like, this has nothing to do with the game, but I'm I'm realizing now that whether those coaches meant to or not, they were setting a priority on this prayer, and so, like, I had some coaches who were definitely trying to share the gospel in the way they coached, and they would do that by making us recite this the scripture, so... I don't want you to hear this and just think about it maybe like I did where it was just a poem that we said before a game. I want you to think about it as God's inspired word as we look at it. And so in verse 2 we see that it says, Father, hallowed be your name. And this is where we see the first priority in prayer. And that is the priority of honor. You see, we, when we pray, Jesus is telling us first to recognize who we're praying to. What, like, God the Father, not God the Son, you know, we're, we're praying specifically to God, and we're telling Him, hallowed be your name. So this week, because hallowed is a really interesting word, it seems older to me, I had to look it up and see what it meant because I wanted to make sure I got it right. And it means to give honor as, as holy. So like, you recognize that God the Father needs to be honored as the Holy One, the Holy Creator. And I begin to think about this, like, is this really a priority in my prayer life? And I recognize that it's not, because most of the time when I pray, I'm like, hey, God, let me, let me do this, or let me help these people. God, let me do that. But I'm, I'm very rarely taking a specific time to set aside and say, God, you are the creator. God, you are the one who made all things, who provides life for everything And giving Him honor in that. And so I realized that in my life, I focus too much on what's going on and not enough of who's created what's going on. And then, you know, I was talking with my dad and we got to talking about this. And I was expressing to him how I really wanted to honor God when I was praying. And he's like, you know, that's, that's good and all, but you don't always tell someone you love every second of the day that you love them. I got to thinking about it. I was like, that's true. I was like, I got to thinking about like our conversations. I love you is a common phrase in my family because we like to show that affection to each other. We want, to, we want them to know that no matter what happens, we love them. And so when I began to think about that, I was like, you know, we say that probably five or six times a day to each family member, but it's felt all day, every day. And so when I began to think about this priority of honor, I recognize that it's not just sitting there saying, God, you are great. You are the all powerful, but it's living that way, living a life that honors God. And so for me, that was a, a challenge this week because I had to recognize that I'm not just saying these words, but I'm living them out. And then when I realized that We should be honoring God. I read right into the second part of verse 2, which is the second priority in prayer. And it says, your kingdom come. And this one, much like the first, is just something that I thought was said, but didn't really have a lot of meaning behind it. And that's the priority of the eternal kingdom. You see, God's kingdom is not just for a time here on earth, but it is for past all time, which is... One of those really confusing things because we don't quite understand in our limited understanding. But we are praying for God's kingdom to come. The one that we are just honoring before, we're now saying, God, make in our life the priority of your kingdom. Let that be a priority in our kingdom. Let that be a priority in our life, your kingdom. And so I begin to think about, like, how many times do I pray this? And I'm not going to lie, like... I don't know how many times, it's not a lot, that I've ever said, like, your kingdom come, other than just in the times I said it before a ball game. Because, like, that's something that, it's like an unspoken thing for me. It's like, God, I want your kingdom to come. I want it to be known. That's why I live for you. But, again, just like honoring God, there has to be a time specifically set aside for acknowledging his his eternal kingdom and for making that a priority. You see, when we make the eternal kingdom a priority, it affects the way we live our life. It affects the way that we love others and it affects the way that we share Christ with others. As I was thinking about and praying about all of this scripture and how, the, how we must honor God and how we must uh, set His kingdom as a priority in our life, I was also, like I've had two weeks to think about all this, and God's really been mess uh, been sharing with me, and when I was reading and studying, I had a youth pastor friend call me up and said, hey, let's go to West Stanley Middle School for the Fellowship of Christian Cults. I was like, okay. And so I went out there, and on my way back with him, I rode with him, he was like, we were talking, and as any pastor can do, you can sit there and talk and talk and talk, and so. I'm sitting in the passenger seat listening, and this guy, I mean, he's giving some great advice, so I'm soaking it up. But while I'm doing that, I'm also noticing one of my, one of my pet peeves, which is driving incorrectly. So, like, I'm not going to lie. I'll criticize you if you drive incorrectly. I do it sometimes, but I try not to just because it aggravates me. But what I was doing was I'm sitting here watching this, this turn lane. It's the right turn lane, so you're getting off twenty four twenty seven, turning right. And there's a white line, solid white line. You're not supposed to cross it. And I watched seven, six or seven cars just whoop, right over the line every time. I was like, what are these people doing? They're not paying attention to what they're doing. They're just driving all over the road. And so I began to think about, like, well, what, is, what do the lines really mean? So the yellow line means don't go too far that way or you're going to hit somebody and cause a lot of issues. But I was like, well, what is the white line for? And I was like, it's to tell you, In most cases that you've got about that much room left on the road, and if not, you're gonna go off that way and injure yourself. And so I was like, We really we really need to stay in the lines, right? Like we've been given a road, we've been given the lines to stay between, a path to follow, right? But we very rarely do it. I mean you can you'll go to lunch today. Now I would not be surprised if everyone in here saw somebody swerve over the yellow line. I mean, there's so much going on that they get so focused on everything else that they're not focused in making what they need to make a priority a priority. You see, they're focused on whatever. I mean, it may be a radio, it may be a cell phone, it may be a phone call, but they're very rarely focused on the actual road and staying between those lines. The same way, I feel like myself included, Christians have lost focus of the eternal kingdom. We're like, hey... We want to see the eternal kingdom when we die. We, we want to experience that later. We don't want to live the inconvenience now, you see. We want to experience the, cons- the good consequences of salvation, but we don't want to experience the inconvenience of the, the eternal kingdom here on earth. You see, we've got to focus on that and honoring God, which allows us to live out these priorities. And then we're going to go into verse 3, and it says, give us each day our daily bread. And this is where we see the third priority of prayer, and that is the priority of provision. You see, God is, Jesus is telling us here to call out to God to provide for us our daily bread. And to me, you know, God's not dropping manna out of heaven so that we can eat. And so it's like, well, how is God providing daily bread? Well, God says, look, I give you a job, I give you the air to breathe, I give you the life to live, and you go out and you work and you make money so that you can go buy food, right? So, like, God's providing all of this stuff that we need. And I began to think about how great God is and how He is really the true provider. And so I looked at Matthew 6, 26, and it said, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, more, are you not of more value than they? So, like, God, God knows not only just what we need, because we're people, right? Like, we think we're super important. People know us, we're a big deal kind of thing, right? But what happens is God created everything. God created the birds, the fish, the people, the earth, and God made us a priority. God made us a priority in his life, in his time, so that we could could praise him and bring honor to him. And so I began to think about the daily bread part, and God brought up Jesus being tested in the wilderness in Matthew 4, verses 3 and 4. And it said... After the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, I I was reading the Lord's Prayer and acknowledging that God provides for us, but I was also missing one of the most important things that God provided for us. You see, Man doesn't live on bread alone, just like Christ said, but he lives on the Word of God. You see, when your body is worn down, tired, hungry, you feed it. In the same way, when our spirit is worn down, tired, and hungry, we feed it the Word of God. Because we need His Word to breathe life into us, to give us hope, and to allow us to grow. I mean, you don't plant a soil, uh, plant a, plant, a plant and just hope it grows, you take care of it, you feed it, you give it miracle grow, water, whatever you do to make it grow and then it produces, right? The same way we have to feed our spiritual selves, we have to feed, us, feed ourselves God's word so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to grow us. And then, so we got like the priority of honor, the priority of the eternal kingdom, and then the priority of provision from God. And then we're going to look at the fourth priority, and it comes from verse 4. And it says, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So the fourth priority is the priority of forgiveness, the necessity of forgiveness. You see, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. No one can save themselves. No one's good enough. But we we still want to get to that place. We still want to go to heaven to experience a relationship with Jesus. And so, we've got to recognize the necessity of forgiveness. You see, the cross is the only way that we're able to experience salvation. It's the only way we're able to experience the relationship with God and to experience this conversation. And so, I I begin to think, well God, if if this one priority is so important why did you wait till the end to put it in and God was really speaking to me and he said look when it comes to your life I should be honored first you should be focused on living for me you should be expecting me to feed you daily and you should see the necessity of forgiveness but you don't see any of that unless you've already experienced salvation You don't seek to honor God unless you've experienced His gift. You don't seek to share His kingdom unless you've experienced His salvation. You don't expect to get bread from God unless He is the one providing for you. And so I begin to think about it. Well, maybe, maybe God's not saying that just so we recognize that it's forgiveness we need. But Christ... He shows us that we also need to be willing to give forgiveness. And so in Ephesians 4.32 it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So like, God set forth the example. He, he gave His Son to be the sacrifice so that we could be forgiven. And so what we experience is the salvation but then do we, do we express to others the forgiveness that we've been given? That verse said that we should experience and give forgiveness. But is that what's really happening? You see, for me, like the biggest thing that I can think about forgiveness, other than my salvation through Christ, is when I was 16. Three months after I turned 16, I had two jobs. I was working at the Y, working at Papa John's and I worked out in the locust area running uh, helping do a summer camp for the YMCA Well, about three o'clock in the afternoon I ended up driving home and uh, I'm a rather large individual and I had somewhat of a smaller car and so for me I have to lay the seat back and I would sit back and lay back and when I was driving it was a nice warm afternoon I'd been tired well, I decided to lay my head back on the headrest like this. While well, I had the radio, da- uh, radio cranked up, windows down, head on the headrest. I drove a whole 11 seconds before I crossed the lane, hit a mailbox, ended up in a seven-foot ditch. And I was like, oh, this sucks. I got out of my car. By the time I got out, the lady that was behind me had already called the police. State trooper was already on his way uh state trooper pulls up I knew exactly who he was because I went to school with his son and uh we got to talking I like I knew his son we hung out at school but that was the extent of it like I didn't know their family very well and he begins to question everything like were you on your phone were you texting someone were you messing with the radio and I said no sir like trying to honor him and uh be respectful and I was like look I worked last night, I come, I came to work this morning, worked during the day, I was going home just tired and fell asleep and uh, went over and I told him I laid my head back and everything and he's like, oh, okay, He's and so he asked me, he's like, well, what should you have done? Like, you recognized you were tired and I was like, well, probably a couple minutes ago I should have got out of the car, pulled over, you know, got out and did some jumping jacks or done something to get the blood flowing, and then uh, he, was, he was like, okay, and he gave me some other words of advice to help me get through the situation that I was going through, but he, he looks at me, he goes, look, I understand that you're, you're having a bad day. He's like, your car's totaled, you're not going anywhere, your parents are on their way, Um I, I'm not going to write you a ticket. I'm going to give you a, a warning. And so for me, like 16 years old, I was very grateful for that forgiveness. Like he, he could have written me a ticket. I could have, I would have had to pay it. Insurance would have went up. All kinds of issues would have happened. But he said, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to give you forgiveness because you recognize that you've done wrong. And so for me, I experienced what it felt like to be given forgiveness from another human and I've tried to experience that by giving it to other people as well because I recognize, <laughs> hey, we all fail. And so I was able to see the four priorities. We, we honor God. We, see, we seek His eternal kingdom. We allow Him and recognize that He is the provider of everything for us. And we see the necessity of forgiveness, not just for ourselves, but for all people. And so... We looked at that, and then we go into verses 5 through 13. And it says, And he said, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. seek and you will find knock, and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if his son ask for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent or if he asks for an egg we will give him a scorpion if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him so like I was reading this this week the whole 13 verses the stuff we just went over and then this and I was like how does this go together And uh, God really began to deal with me because I realized that when the priorities in prayer become a priority in our life, it affects the way that we live and share Christ with others. And so you, you see this friend and he's got a friend that comes over and says, hey, I'm here to hang out. I've got no food. Let me go get three loaves from this guy over here. And so he walks over. They're having a late night party, but the The guy's already gone to bed. His family's in bed, and that was part of the culture in the day. Like, they all went to bed went to bed together. And so, when he started knocking on the door to to get his friend to give him some bread, he he's like, "Look, my family's in bed. You're gonna make me get everyone up if you if you tell me if you if you keep going, and I have to get up and give you bread." And so. We see that Jesus was telling the story, but it was not out of his willingness to just be friendly. But it was out of the persistence of the friend who came. You see, it's like the kid sitting in the car. You're driving down the road, right? And you're going to the beach. Your kid's like, I'm excited. I'm going to play in the sand. and need a few pounds of it. And so you're like, oh, this is going to be a long ride. I've got a two-year-old in the back seat. Let's go. And they get down the road. You get 30 minutes down the road. Mom, are we there yet? No, honey. We're not there. Five minutes later. Mom, are we there yet? No. And you see, it's that persistence. And, like, you would do anything you could to get to the beach faster except for speed because that's obviously illegal. But, like, if you could just zap yourself there you would do it in a heartbeat because that kid, you know, is not going to stop. They're just going to keep going and going until you're like, just be quiet. And so, like, it gets, it gets frustrating. And so that's what I imagine that man felt like. He's laying in bed with his family and the friend's like, Yo, I need three loaves of bread. Go away, my family's in bed. I need three loaves this guy's not going to shut up. I've got to go get him these three loaves. And like, it's that persistence that led him to to give it to that friend. And so, I begin to think about, you know, God is so much greater than we are. Because when we ask God for something, yeah, I mean, we may not see the answer right away, but just like Paul spoke about Last week, the three dots in the waiting, God had sent that message. He was already sending it, like the answer, and it just took time, and we're waiting. So, like, God is answering our prayers. He's not just up there saying, oh, Adam's speaking to me. I'm going to go wait around, but he's willing to give us the Holy Spirit to help us to work through stuff, and so I then begin to think about my life and The priorities of prayer in my life and how really what scripture's saying about asking you asking it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. So like I'm sitting there thinking, well, who who wants to get something without asking for it? Like, if you want a pizza, you go to the store and ask for a pizza. Or like who's lost their keys or their phone? You go looking for it. You don't just say, well, I'll find them eventually. Like That's important. You've got to have them. Or, like my favorite, this is what God just brought to my mind this week because it was, I don't know, it was very interesting. But imagine going to a friend's house. They've got a nice wooden door at the front and you're standing there. And you're like, I'm about to go in this house. I'm ready. But I'm not going to knock. I'm going to wait for him to open the door for me. No one knows you're going to be outside the door unless you knock or ring the doorbell. But either way, you're, you've got to get the attention. But see, I don't feel like it's that way for God. God knows what we need, but He wants us to ask for it. He knows our needs before we ask for it. He just wants to see if we're willing to ask for the Holy Spirit. And so, then it goes into verse 11. Where God is really describing how great he is. Because Jesus is saying, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? That would be jacked up. Like, I don't like fish in the first place. And snake, they say it tastes like chicken, so I, I don't know. But like, I know if I ask my dad, if I ask my mom, my dad's not big into fish either. If I ask my dad, my mom for a fish, she's not going to give me a snake. Just like in verse 12 where it says, or if he asks for an egg, he gives him a scorpion. My mom's not cooking up some scorpion omelet. Like, I can tell you that. If I, <laughs> if I want an egg, she's going to give me an egg so I can make my omelet. So, like, even, even though they have sin problems, like my parents, my family, me, everybody in the world, we have this sin problem. We are evil. We're not good enough to live up to God's standard. But even though we have this sin problem, God's still able to like God still allows us to give each other good gifts. When I ask for fish, I get a fish. If I ask for an egg, I can get an egg. But God's like, "Look, how much greater am I at giving gifts?" Like you you may not you may not even know what you're asking for, but I'm here to give you what you need, the Holy Spirit. And so, to me, that was just incredible. And I began to think about like, people who just don't understand prayer, people who, who don't even believe in God. You know, like, their, their opinion about what prayer is is simple. It's just talking to no one. Ain't no big deal. Like, and if you think about it, if there was no God, they're right. Prayer is absolutely worthless. But the difference is there is a God. There is a God who hears and who speaks. Prayer is communication. It's it's like me having a conversation with my community group. I get to know them by having a conversation with them. I get to know God by having a conversation with God. And that's not just me standing here saying, God, I need this done. See you later. That's... God, you are great, you are powerful. Moving me the way that you move in others in Scripture, Lord. And so, to close up, I was reading in my daily devotion this week Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. And it said, I love you, Lord, because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. You see, David wrote this. Because God heard him. And you go on and you can see how God speaks back to David throughout all of Scripture and everything. Like, it's, it's incredible because there's a relationship. God is speaking, and God wants to speak to us. God is hearing our pleas, our cries for mercy, and he's inclining his ear. Like, he's leaning in saying, all right, speak to me, child. Like, I want to hear your voice. But we've got, to, we've got to make prayer a priority. And then we've got to remember the priorities in our prayers. It's focusing on God and what He's done. So if you guys will, let's pray. Lord, thank You for this day that You've given us. Thank You for the opportunity just to come hear Your Scripture, Lord. How great You are and how Your love is amazing, Lord. We recognize that You, apart from You, there is nothing And God, we recognize that apart from you, there is no salvation. There is no hope. Because we have failed and we do not live up to your standards. But God, I pray that through your word, you would correct my priorities the way that I pray. That you would correct my love for you. And that you would allow me to love you and express your love to others in in mighty ways this week, Lord. In your precious and holy name I pray, amen.